I believe that James gave us a little precursor, a little preview of James chapter 3 and what we'll be going over this morning in chapter 1. And I'll tell you about it after I tell you about the thing that I need to tell you about. You're going to notice that I've got something in my mouth. So I've had a dry cough, and the worst thing as a teacher is to get into this nasty cough, you know, while you're up here teaching. So I am, I got a pocket full of Jolly Ranchers, and so when this one goes away, you may see this one go in. So that's, that's what's happening. Um, Jolly Ranchers work great for me. It's just the sugar coating. It seems to be the thing. So we're going to do our best. So in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he's, James told us a couple of weeks ago, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He says, be careful with your words. Be slow to open your mouth. Be slow to, to wrath. And make sure that if you do have wrath, that it's, that it's righteous. In other words, you've gotten all the information and you have a good reason to be wrathful. Have you ever, have you ever thought you had a good reason and you became angry and then you found out, boy, did I just stick my foot in my mouth. And so with that two verses, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, He's talking about what? When we're wrathful, when we're angry, what happens? We're speaking. We're maybe yelling. We're communicating. We're communicating with our tongue. And so chapter 3 breaks down like this. A strong warning about the tongue. Secondly, talks about wisdom. And he says that wisdom from below, it brings confusion. It brings confusion. And the wisdom from above... Thirdly, it brings peace. It brings peace. So how do we communicate? <clears throat> how do we communicate when someone cuts us off driving? Hopefully not with our hand. How do we communicate when we get bad service? When someone gets our order wrong and we're in a hurry? When our kids are disrespectful? When that person in our family begins to act like that person we all have in our family, how do we react? How do we communicate? What's on our tongue? When we don't see eye to eye with our spouse, when I'm right, no, no, when I'm really right and you're really wrong, how do we communicate? What are the things that we say? What are the facial expressions? that we use. We communicate in different ways. Our actions, our body language, our facial expressions, most importantly, with our tongues, the things that we say. The words we speak communicate thoughts, ideas, feelings, expectations, our rules, our desires, our dislikes, our disdains, our disgusts. And my tongue, you see, it has, it has a little bit of a problem, and it can be a big problem. It's directly connected to my heart. Jesus said this in Luke 6 and 45. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his 
heart brings forth good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. He says, whatever is most, whatever your heart is mostly made up of, that's going to come out. It's going to come out. Because if there's good things in there, if it's filled up with good things, you're going to have good things come out. If it's filled up with some not-so-good things, then those things will come out as well. So why is it wrong? Why is it wrong? I mean, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I just need to let my feelings. It's just got to speak from the heart, right? Well, Jeremiah says this about the heart in 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, who can know it? Who can know it? Sin in the heart. Sin, wickedness in the heart. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 28, he said, you have, you have heard it said before that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. The sin of thought. The fact that we sin in word and thought and deed is a biblical principle. So if my heart is wicked, if it's selfish, if there's self-seeking in there, if there's bitterness in there, if there's anger in there, if there's unforgiveness, whatever it is, sooner or later it's going to come out through my tongue. As hard as I may try, if we, if we let it abide, it's going to come out. Now James isn't going to leave us there. He's just not. He, by the end of this chapter, he's going to give us a recipe for godly communication and that, that he's going to basically tell us if we have faith in God to give us clean hearts, to give us clean hearts, controlled by the wisdom of God, then we will be speaking a blessing. So that, that's our hope by the end of the chapter. But... James is going to go to great lengths in this chapter before we get there. So hold on tight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your love and for your mercy. God, we thank you for your word. And as we open it, we pray that you'd open our ears and our hearts and our minds to, to understand it, to receive it. Lord, perhaps to be changed by it. Lord, that, that we wouldn't be holding anything back this morning from you. God, that if, that if, you're, if you're wanting us to change in this area. Lord, and certainly you do. God, you want us to be a blessing as we talk. You want us to be a blessing, Lord, as, as we do things according to your wisdom and not the wisdom from below. And so, God, we, we ask for this, and we, we thank you that you're working in our hearts even now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, firstly, a strong warning about the tongue. Now, James is going to go 12 verses with this. And in verse 1, he says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So right away, right off the bat, James is warning those that their profession is to use their mouth. And it's specifically here that if you're, if you're a teacher of the word, that a strong judgment, stronger judgment may come upon you. You see, because teachers and teachers of the word have a great influence and a great place in, in the hearts and lives of people. There is that issue of trust. That if next week you see me out in Walmart yelling at my wife and kids, you're probably not going to care what I have to say about James chapter 4. 
it's just it's a stronger judgment. Now I believe I believe that to a certain extent that it's true for anyone that's in authority or has been given the blessing of being in authority over someone else. So all teachers, all husbands, all mothers, all wives, bosses, supervisors, an older sister or an older brother, that you have the responsibility. And, and, and if you're taking notes, this is, this is a good one to jot down, a good reminder. It's long, so you'll have to write fast. I'll repeat it twice. Every Christian is responsible to communicate with a godly tone, with godly words, in all situations and circumstances. Every Christian is responsible to communicate with a godly tone, with godly words, in all situations and circumstances. Now you say, that, that is a high standard, man. We could lower it. We could give you a, a few passes, give ourselves a few passes, right? God, you, you, you give me a, a mulligan every once in a while, right? You know that if you're a Christian and you've been saved and God's forgiven you of everything, you know that, that messing up in this area just once ought to convict us. We ought to be 100% here. Now, we won't be. And I, and I believe that when we're not, we simply need to confess and admit. Look at James chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, for we all stumble in many things. Amen? If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. He says, whatever controls your tongue also controls your whole body. And so if you can control that one member of your body, <clears throat> that little small member of your tongue, says, you're going to be perfect. You're going to be perfect, able to control the whole body. In other words, it's, it's going to have an effect in all kinds of other, er, other areas of your life. Now, this perfect, this perfect, this is the second time that he's talked about perfect and being perfect and complete from chapter 1. Perfect and complete, ready for every trial. Here he's talking about perfect in the sense that we, we will move on to a, a place where you know what? I just don't, I don't do what I used to do anymore. I don't say the things that I used to say. I don't have that attitude. I don't have this great desire just to, you know, hammer you if, if you know, I'm, I'm feeling frustrated. Perfect. Now, it's perfect in the sense that if, if, if you have a, a young child, maybe in kindergarten, and they put a lot of work into this little art project and took it to school and the teacher sent it back with a wow or whatever and shows it to you, you're going to go, oh, that is, that's perfect. That's awesome, right? Now, it's not. It's not. And we're not. But James is saying, as perfect as you can be on this side of heaven, given that you have this sinful flesh that, that we will be battling with, that's what I want. And that's what I want the standard to be. And sometimes I think because we have been forgiven, we can get a little bit lazy and just say, oh, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Rather than really working hard, really working hard to overcome the issue. And that's what God wants. That's what God wants. Look at verse 3. It says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us 
and we turn their whole body. We control the whole horse with the bridle and the bit. Look at ships, verse 4. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. The pilot has control of that rudder. The pilot has control of the ship. He says, even so, in the same, in the same way, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. All it takes is one little match, right? That one little spark. And then such turmoil. Such turmoil in our lives because, because we said this thing in that way, with that attitude. And so chances are, if you're having some fireworks, if you're having some bonfires, if you're having some forest fires in your life with someone else right now, then you can look to your own tongue first, and then perhaps on the other side there may be an issue as well. But all you can control and all I can control is me, is my tongue what I'm going to say, how I'm going to react. You see, because all it takes is a little match and how big a forest fire we can have. In verse 6, he says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity or a world of sin. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and it sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. Jesus says it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles him. And you see, it, when my tongue is controlled by my heart and my heart is wicked, and my heart, the rudder of my heart, is held by Satan himself, and I can't get godly communication out of that. I won't. You see, because it's controlled from below. It's controlled from below. In verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. In other words, we've figured out, we've figured out how to tame just about anything and everything. I'd, I'd like to tame the mosquitoes in my backyard, but... Verse 8, But no man can tame the tongue. Thank you, James. Thank you for the hope, right? <laughs> it says no man can tame the tongue. Well, well, then we should just give up and go home right now. I mean, forget about it, right? I don't have a chance. No man. But the faith, the faith that moves mountains, the faith that's found in God, the faith that's found in the fact that he's given us his Holy Spirit and his word, his word this morning that's doing a work in us even now. God can do this. God can tame the tongue. And, and, and you all know and you've experienced those times when except for the grace of God and God working in you and the Holy Spirit just grabbing your tongue, it might have been a lot worse. It might have been a lot worse. No man can tame the tongue, but God can. Have faith. He says in verse 8, it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the likeness of God. 
Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not to be so. Now notice here what what James just did in verse 9. He said we twice. He didn't say you guys got to get yourself squared away. Start acting like Christians. He said we, brethren. This is not acceptable for us. You see, he, he included himself. I use Ch- James chapter 3 for all my premarital studies. Should be obvious. <laughs> so I've taught through it a lot of times. And I still get it wrong. I still get it wrong. It says, brethren, it cannot be so. It should not be so. James writes that if you're a Christian, then you cannot continue to have a wicked tongue. You cannot communicate wicked feelings and thoughts and selfishness and bitterness and anger and, and have an excuse for that. And, and when we blow it, if we're, lear- if we're learning, if we're on the road to learn what it says in here, because we won't be perfect, but when we're not, then we simply, we simply go to the Lord, go to, get on our humble knees before whoever it is and say, you know what, I was less than what God would have me to be right then. We have an issue here, but I don't, I don't need to be like that. I don't need to say those things. I don't need to run you down. I don't need to point out your side, my side. We just need to get on the same side, you see. It says with that we, we bless our God and Father. And then we curse men. He says you can't, you can't come to church on the weekend, raise our hands to the Lord and praise him, and then go Monday through Saturday and, and spew curses to men, to women, to people. You can't, be, you can't be gossiping. You can't be talking about people. You can't be, you know, because it's not always wrath. It's not always wrath. Sometimes we, we may be able to control our wrath, but we're still spewing deadly poison that's hurting someone. That's not, that's not edifying to myself or perhaps the hearer. Verse 11, he says, Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs. Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. He says, he says listen, don't, don't, don't kid yourself in this area. That if, if your words are going to communicate love and joy and peace and forgiveness, then you've got to learn how to control that tongue. Because you know as well as I, we, we, can, we can be that way, uh, you know, 11 months out of the year, and the one month that we blow it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt our witness. It's going to hurt that relationship. It says, my brother, and these things ought not to be so. Now, we cannot say, we cannot present ourselves as an apple tree and look, I've got ugly fruit hanging off my vines. You know what ugly fruit is? 
If you don't go in the produce section, you, don't, you won't know. There's such a thing called ugly fruit, and it's ugly. It's ugly. It says you can't, have, you can't have ugly fruit on your tree. It, it, it shouldn't be so. Now, I would submit to you that this is, this is such a issue for, for each one of us at some, at some level. That if we had, if we had a tool, if I, if I had something here where I said, you know what, this, this little device here is going to help you. You know, just, just put this... Just put this little pack on, and, and it's going to give you a little zap just to tell you when you start getting a little, little bit angry. It's going to remind you, you know, and it's going to, going to let you know. If I had such a tool, you know, some of you would probably pay dearly for that because it's such an issue. Some of you, it might not be worth very much. But what James does in this next section is he does just that. He gives us a tool. He gives us a tool. And, he, and he, he's going to start off the first part of this tool that, that we can learn to control our tongue. That we can, we can measure our feelings if, if our feelings and our words are going to come out godly or if they're going to come out from the pit. We can measure it. We can look at it. We can pay attention to it. And the first part of the tool, he says, this is, this is what you need to stay away from. This is what you can't have in your heart and in your life. And the second part of the tool, the great part of the tool, is this is what you need to be. Because if you're this, then you're going to have peace. So secondly, wisdom from below, it brings confusion. Verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Anyone want to stand up this morning? I'm wise and understanding. I've got it all, got it all sewn up. I'm wise, I'm understanding. Now, I would submit to you that in the middle of a fight, when we're saying things like, I know exactly what's wrong. I know exactly what the problem is here. You see, because you, blah, 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 you see, and if you would just do this and this and this and this, this would all be better. Wise and understanding right? In the middle of a fight, we're wise and understanding, or else we wouldn't be fighting. I'm fighting because I'm right. And you're wrong, and I have something to fight about. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? If you want to have a life, a marriage, a work environment, a home environment that's defined by peace and love and joy. Even when there's miscommunication, even when they're wrong and you're right, then James says, listen to the rest of what I have to say to you. 13 through 18, memorize it, know it. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. And meekness is a strength that's under control. It's a humble strength of wisdom. He says, he says, do what you do and all that you do under a humble strength of wisdom. And be, be, be understanding that, that there are two forms of wisdom. Because he says in verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, 
Do not boast and lie against the truth. James writes, don't, don't kid yourself. If there's bitterness, if there's anger, if there's envy in there, if there's self-seeking in your heart, salt water and fresh water don't, don't come out of the same opening. It's not, it's not compatible to godly communication. He says in verse 15, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, it's sensual, and it's even demonic. It says the wisdom from below, and it is wisdom. And it's the predominant wisdom in this world. It's on television. It's in the newspapers. Our politicians use it. Our leaders And so it's no wonder that we as the church who have been saved and know better can have a huge issue with this because it's all around us. It's all around us. We, we grow up in homes sometimes that teach us this. You see, and it's wisdom. It's wisdom of the world. And sometimes it can get things done. But the motivation, he says, the motivation is from below. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. And, and you know, our tongues can be guilty of inflicting great pain. And James is saying here that it's literally the fires of hell directly aimed at those that we're supposed to love the most. At those that we're supposed to love the most. Our kids, our spouses, those that God has given us authority over to love and to teach and to be patient with. says that's that's not that's not good wisdom that's not good wisdom stay away from it judge yourself in it judge yourself in it and if you were wicked then then a minute and and say it and, and oh lord lord do something about that verse 16 he says for where where envy and self-seeking exists where it is at all anywhere that it is in your heart beware of it where envy and self-seeking is this, confusion and every evil thing are there. Confusion and every evil thing are there. Family members. Family members that at one time embraced each other, but now don't speak. Brothers and sisters, parents and children. That young couple that looks so bright and shiny, all of the expectations in front of them, so in love. And yet, but a few years later, confused, wondering, what did we do? How did we get here? They got there day in, day out, week in, way out, week in, week, week out, year after year, one or both, living by the wisdom from below. Trying to handle the conflicts of life that every married couple has with ungodly wisdom. And it works for a time. But it will catch up to you. One or both operating in the wisdom from below. So we need a spiritual heart checkup. I would submit to you that every time you go to the doctor, I think even the dentist one time took my blood pressure. But they, they take your blood pressure, right? They're seeing how the ticker's working physically. If the doctor thought you had cancer, 
They have all kinds of tests to x-ray your body and MRI your body and CAT scan your body to find where that cancer is, right? It says, where envy and self-seeking exists, go find it. David said this in Psalm 139, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, God, and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And in Psalm 51, he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Just give me a new one. Take the old one away and, and give, give me a clean heart, a heart that's after you. And some, some, so sometimes we have to let God do that open heart surgery. And James is saying, you want to be wise and understanding? You want to have a godly tongue? We've got to deal with the deep, deep things that are still in your heart that still get you. Now, sometimes we're, we're guilty of putting those things in our own heart. And other times, the reason that our heart can be stony and hard and angry are things that we didn't ask for. Things that I didn't sign up for. Right? And so we lash out when, when, when those things pop up, when something gets that going. He says, do some heart surgery because that's not the best way. It's not God's way. Even though you've been hurt, even though you may have an excuse, even though you were deeply, deeply hurt and sinned against, Christians don't have a right. You see, because we sinned against God. You see, and he went to the cross for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ, he died for us. Let God do heart surgery. That's the first part of the tool. Second part, wisdom from above. It brings peace. Wisdom from above, it brings peace. Look at verse 17. But the wisdom from above, it's first pure. It's first pure. In other words, you went and you got your heart checkup. You went before the Lord and you said, oh, God, forgive me. Lord, get, get all the bitterness and wickedness out of my heart because what I've got to deal with this next week or, or with my spouse or with my mom or my dad, oh, oh, man, I can't go into this thing with anything wrong in my heart. It's got to come out. It's first pure. Lord, forgive me. Lord, Lord, wash me. Lord, give me that clean heart. Lord, see if there's any wicked way in me. It's first pure. And then once it's pure, then it can begin to walk in all of the other things that wisdom is. It says, secondly, wisdom from above is first pure, and then it's peaceable. It's peaceable. Who are you having an issue with right now? Where in your life is there not peace? The Bible tells us that, that as much as depends on us, seek peace. Seek peace. Even when the other person doesn't want it, we can be people of peace. Seeking peace, wanting peace. And, and, and never sacrificing peace for being right. Even when correction needs to come. See, parents, sometimes we can do this. Because our, our, our wisdom that we're imparting to our kids seems to not be working and not be working and not be working. They're not responding. They're not responding. And so I have no choice, right? No, you have a choice. You have a choice. 
to continue to be merciful and share the truth in love and start those tough conversations with, you know what, I love you and I want the best for you and I know you're getting tired of hearing this, but I want to bring it in, I want to bring it in a way that you can receive it. That's far better. Far better, James says. It's peaceable. It's wisdom. It's biblical. Then it's gentle. It's gentle. Gentleness does just that. When it's going into a situation that it knows it, 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 there, there could be some fireworks here, it's gentle. It doesn't go in, you know, slamming doors and getting red in the face, banging the fist. Gentle. Now, I have a hard time with this sometimes because I'm kind of, I got that coach's mentality, you know? Oh, just, just get up, go off, go after this. You know, we should, we should, be, we should be getting this right by now. You know, that's just kind of the coach's, that's my default mode. It doesn't work too well with girls. I can attest to that. And so I have to change who I am sometimes to be gentle. And if we have to change who we are sometimes to get something done in, in, in a godly way, well, amen. Amen. Then it says it's full of mercy and good fruits. We talked about mercy and how mercy is what they don't deserve. What they don't deserve. You know, and sometimes it's hard to get just a little bit of mercy, right? Because <laughs> it just, just doesn't seem right. They deserve it, right? It says it's full of mercy. You know, it takes, it takes the picture of, picture of mercy and it just pours that glass full. It doesn't leave it half full, half undone. It's full of mercy and good works. Oh, not only do I want to be merciful, I want to, I want to help this person. I, I want to have a good outcome. I want to do, I want to do good things. God, God has done good things for us and has good things for us. And every good thing that we have comes from God and he wants to give us. And so when we do that, oh, we emulate him. We emulate his wisdom. And then he says it's without partiality, without hypocrisy. In other words, I'm like this in every arena of life. I don't withhold it from the people that are the toughest. I want to be consistent in every arena of life. I would submit to you sometimes we treat our coworkers and our bosses far better than we treat our spouses. And that's hypocrisy. And I'm guilty. He says, it's, it's not that. It's not that. It's with everybody. It's with everybody. Judge yourself with this tool and get it right. And then you see, what someone will see in your life is there's a person that's consistent. There's a person of integrity. There's a person that I can trust if they bring me a message. Verse 18, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The fruit of righteousness, in other words, what I get growing on my tree if, if, the, if the Lord has imparted his righteousness by, by his grace in my life and, and I choose to walk in it, is peace. The wisdom always makes peace whenever possible. Jesus said this in Matthew 5 and 9. He said, blessed, happy, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. The sons of God, that's, that's someone that's a son. That's someone that's a daughter. Look, they're doing exactly what I would have done. 
They're emulating me. Righteousness comes from throwing out seeds of peace. That's it. That's the tool. Now, now like any tool, if I were to go down to Home Depot to purchase a chainsaw to cut down that old tree that's dying in the backyard, and I go home and put that chainsaw in the garage and take my chop axe out and start chopping away, Robert, you just bought a chainsaw. Why aren't you using your chainsaw? That's why we have a Bible. That's why you should have a Bible, and that it should be well marked up. And it should be circled, and it should be underlined. I talked to a gentleman last night. He said, James, and this, this part in James, it's like the most marked up thing in my Bible, like multiple times. Right? Use the tool. We've got to use the tool. We've got to go to God and, 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 and get the, the, the things that shouldn't be in our heart out. And then we've, then we've got to do and practice all of the things when the time comes. It's easy to be gentle when nothing's going on, right? And everything's happy. It's easy to be peaceful and understanding when, when things are happening, right? And, and, and we're all good. It's those times when we as Christians have to be strategic to know, oh man, this is, this is a time when I get to use the tool. This is a time when I, I, I get to shine Jesus' love and wisdom rather than the wisdom from below. These words describe God's wisdom. These words describe the character of the child of God. These words are the standard for Christian living. These words are how God wants his kids to think and to act toward each other. My brethren, let's make it so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy, your word that's so, so rich. God, it could not be more detailed for us. Forgive us for being slow of heart and mind. And forgive us for not running to your wisdom. And forgive us, Lord, for, for operating too too long and too many times in the wisdom from below. God, I pray that you would create clean hearts this morning, Lord, and, and, and God, that for the person that, Lord, this morning says that they, are, they have been hurt deeply and they struggle in this area, Lord, that your mercy would just shower upon them, that you'd encourage them, it helped them to know that by faith in you, by trust in you, by listening to your Holy Spirit and obeying your word, Lord, that the great change can happen. Lord, that indeed, uh, Lord, we want, we, we want any mountains that are in our heart to move. And, and we want to react in your wisdom. God, grant us this. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.